I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, we are going to embark on a series over the next seven weeks looking at Jesus' last words on the cross. So typically at North River Church, if you're new, we are walking through books of the Bible. We just finished up walking through the Old Testament book of Malachi, and in uh, our sights is walking through the New Testament book of Ephesians, but I like to break those book studies up with more topical studies, things that I think are pertinent as we walk through different seasons in the life of our church, and as we are heading towards Easter Sunday in seven weeks, I thought, what better way for us to make that journey than to look at Jesus' last words on the cross. Seven statements that Jesus made on the cross prior to his death and then subsequent resurrection. Seven things that Jesus said, his last words before laying his life down for us. I don't know if you have sat at the bedside of a loved one before they passed. But have you ever wondered what your last words are going to be? If the Lord gives you a long life, if you are on your deathbed, if your kids are gathered around you, your grandkids are gathered around you, have you ever wondered what your last words would be? A couple of years ago, we lost my grandfather. My grandfather was one of the people in my life that I looked up to. He was not an overly affectionate man at all. In fact, he was known, and my girls were able to spend time with him, he was known for picking on you. He had the spiritual gift of picking on people. I mean, that's what he would do. He would love to just to pick at you just a little bit. He'd pull his pocket knife out with little kids and he'd say, can I cut your ear off? I mean, things like that. Just, just cutting up, just playing. Some of you, that just scared you. Let me just say, I'm from South Georgia. That's normal, okay? But my granddad... To my knowledge, throughout my childhood, throughout my years growing up, I never heard him say to me an affectionate word at all. But there was no doubt in my mind that my granddad loved me. Played baseball in high school and in college, my granddad was at every single game. And what's funny is on the back end of the games, he would always let me know what I could have done better. In fact, he would look at me at times and he'd say, Bo, and he called every boy Bo for whatever reason. I don't know that he knew my name. (laughs) But he'd say to me, Bo, you run hard, but you just run in the same place too long. He'd say, Bo, you are the only person I know that could turn a triple into a single. (laughs) But you know, as my granddad neared the end of his life and had the chance to ride up and to spend some time with him at the end, I saw a change in him. And this 
man who was never overly affectionate in touch or in words, I heard him for the first time say, Michael, I'm proud of you. I love you. And I thought about that. Someone's last words, they are meaningful, they are impactful. And Jesus on the cross, prior to his death there and his resurrection that would follow three days later, said seven phrases to those who were gathered around him there. To those who were ridiculing him, who were crucifying him, to the crowds who had turned him over to be killed, to the Jewish leaders of the day who were doing everything they could to crush him and to stamp out his impact in the world to his own disciples. Some of them who had deserted him but who had come back later on to his mother, to the women that had followed him in his ministry, Jesus leaves them with these last words. And so as we embark on this journey over the next seven weeks together, as we look at the various gospel accounts of Jesus' last moments before his death, paying the debt for our sin, we're going to see what he said, his last words. So I want to read the text for us this morning, Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 18, and we're going to work through verse 38 this morning. Luke chapter 23, verse 18. But they all cried out together, away with this man, that's Jesus, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison from an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time, he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming where they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that they never bore and the breasts that they never nursed. And they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to put to death with him. 
And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, as we encounter Jesus here, I don't want you to lose sight of where we are in Jesus' story that Jesus, the baby who came in a manger in Bethlehem, the very Son of God who stepped foot out of heaven and came to this earth, who lived a perfectly sinless life, had begun teaching the people, had begun reminding them that He was the true Messiah. He was the one that they were longing for, that they were looking for. And the religious leaders of the day did not like that. In fact, they looked at Jesus and they realized that if he is truly the Messiah, our power and our prestige is done. And so beginning in Jesus' ministry, they looked for ways that they could entrap him. They looked for ways that they could bring charges up against him. And at this point in time, they have been successful. In fact, at this point in time, they were able to do what they had wanted. They were able to get one of Jesus' own disciples to betray him. Judas, for just a little bit of silver, was willing to lead them to where Jesus was in the dark of night so that they could capture him and they could bring him in and try him falsely to bring up charges that he was not guilty of but if they could do it under the cover of darkness no one would know what's going on and then if they could get the crowds riled up they could convince the Roman government at the time that this man Jesus if they didn't do something was going to lead a rebellion against the government and so at this point They've been able to accomplish exactly what they wanted. At this point, Pilate, who is the Roman governor of the time, is looking and has brought Jesus in and has questioned him, has wondered, what in the world are they doing saying these things about you? And at this point in time, there's nothing that that he can find wrong. As he looks at Jesus and he 
goes back and forth with the crowds and back and forth with the religious leaders. And he says, listen, if you're going to bring him up, you have at least got to bring some charge that I can level against him. But I've questioned him. I've questioned those around him. I've realized that there is nothing wrong with this man deserving of death. But the bloodthirsty crowd said, that's not good enough. They had been stirred up to the point that all they could see was blood. They had been stirred up by the religious leaders to the point that all they could think about was this man, Jesus, being crucified. So much so that they were willing to release a known killer in their midst just to have Jesus crucified. In the account of Jesus' last hours before going on the cross, what we read in the scripture is that he was mercilessly beaten. That his beard was ripped out from his face. That a crown of thorns was crushed down onto his head that he was mocked, that they had covered his face and hit him and spat on him and said, if you really are the Messiah, if you really are the Son of God, tell us which one of us hit you. And all the while, Jesus didn't respond. They led him on a long road up to a hill called Calvary. And there they crucified Jesus. They placed him on a wooden cross. They drove spikes through his hands and through his feet. And he there on the cross began by saying, Father, forgive them. taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we consider that statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. Forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. I want you to think about that. After all that Jesus has been through, He could have said a lot of things, but he began by saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want you to notice the first truth as we look at that phrase that forgiveness is an act of unparalleled mercy. Forgiveness is an act of unparalleled mercy. If you go back to Luke chapter 6, what you see is Jesus teaching his disciples and he tells them, love your enemies. I just lost you, right? You got to imagine at this point, Jesus probably lost most of his people. Wait, we love the people that love us. We love the people that love us. What do you mean, love your enemies? And Jesus says, love 
your enemies. And here on the cross, Jesus models for us what that looks like. Now think about this. This is the Son of God who by His very word could have spoken in this instant and crushed every single person that was standing there that was against Him. By His Word, He could have called a legion of angels and taken care of business right there on the cross. He could have done that. By His Word, in an instant, He could have crushed His enemies there. But what does He do? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Instead of exercising justice in that moment, Jesus exercised unparalleled mercy. If you're wondering what mercy is, mercy is not getting what you deserve. So let's think about that in the context of our lives. If you are driving down 301 this morning and you were exceeding the speed limit just a little bit, right? Or maybe a lot of bit, right? Police officer pulls you over and says, do you know how fast you're going? Don't ever answer that. (laughs) They say you were speeding. I have the authority, the ability to write you a ticket right now for speeding. But I'm going to issue you a warning instead. That is mercy. You not getting what you deserve. So think about that. In the context of Jesus here on the cross, in the context of enduring all that Jesus had endured leading up to this moment, what those people who were crucifying him deserved was not forgiveness. And yet, That's exactly what Jesus gave them. Unless we be too presumptuous to think, well, I would have never done that to Jesus. The truth is, every single one of us have done that to Jesus. Our sin, your sin, my sin, their sin, is what put him there on the cross. The reason that he paid for our sins is so that we could be forgiven and hear Jesus in an unparalleled act of mercy with these people here, but also with us says, Father, forgive them. I don't know about you, but there's times when I don't particularly want to forgive people. You ever been there? If you haven't, you're lying, right? All of us have been there. All of us have been in that place. In fact, you may be sitting here right now and the truth for you is that you need to forgive someone that you have not been willing to forgive up until this point. And you are looking and saying they don't deserve mercy. They should get what's coming to them. 
And I want to put that in the context of recognizing and, and looking at the world in which we live and to see that there is brokenness in this world. There are things that people do to other people in this world that are unbelievable. Abuse and verbal, physical, whatever it looks like in that. And here's the thing. The truth is they don't deserve mercy. The truth is here, these people didn't deserve mercy. The truth is for you and for me, we don't deserve mercy, but Jesus willingly offers it to us. In fact, Jesus is so willing to offer it to us that he says that justice is still going to be served against sin and I am going to absorb the full wrath of God against sin for you. So think about that. In this moment, the mercy that Jesus extends to the people, the forgiveness that he extends to them because of their sin, he is willing to bear the brunt of the wrath of God against their sin. So the mercy that's extended is extended because he is willing to absorb the wrath of God against their sin and against your sin and against my sin. You know, Jesus told the story in his ministry of a man who owed someone a lot of money. You put it into context, it was millions of dollars in our economy that he owed his master. And his master comes to him and says, you need to pay up. And the man falls on his knees and he says, there's no way. There's no way that I can pay you what you or wanting. And the master in that moment forgives him the debt that he owed him. We look at that and we think, gosh, mercy. He could have thrown him in prison. He could have exercised judgment against him, but he didn't. And then you flip the story and that same man who has been forgiven so much goes out to someone who owes him just a few dollars. And he throws him up against the wall and he says to him, pay me back what you owe me. And the guy falls on his knees and he says, I can't, there's no way. And he takes him in that moment, he throws him in prison for not paying his debt. Jesus tells that story and he says, how messed up is that? That this man who had been forgiven so much was not willing to turn and to forgive someone else. And you put it into context and you recognize that the same thing holds true in our lives as well. So for us, Jesus, if you are a follower of him, if your sins have been forgiven, if you've trusted Jesus as your savior, Jesus has forgiven you so much. Jesus has extended mercy to you, not giving you what you deserve. What you deserve is death. What you deserve is punishment in hell for all eternity. That's what you deserve. But Jesus doesn't give you that. 
He offers you mercy. He extends that to you. And so in the context of that, as we think about forgiveness in our own lives, are we willing to forgive like Jesus forgave us? Right now, you may be holding on to something that you have been unwilling to forgive someone in your life. And I know there's a ton of brokenness in this world and I know that there are stories in this room that would be absolutely shocking if they came to light. There is hurt in this room that would be heartbreaking. And yet I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Extend mercy in the same way that mercy has been extended to you. Jesus here on the cross, after all that has transpired, says, Father, forgive them. Not only is forgiveness an act of unparalleled mercy, but forgiveness is also an act of extravagant grace. Extravagant grace. So mercy is not getting what you deserve, but grace is getting far more than you ever imagined. And that is what the message of the gospel is. That is what Jesus' life and death and resurrection provides for you and for me, a life that we could have never dreamed of. What we deserved is to be enemies of God. What we deserved is to be put in hell for all eternity to suffer the judgment that we should suffer for our sins. That's what we deserved. God didn't give us that, but not only did He not give us that, what did He give us? He gave us a relationship with Himself. That's what God gave us. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, not only did you not get what you deserved, but you got so much more than you could have ever dreamed of. As you think about that, what you realize is that here as Jesus is looking at the crowd, as he's looking at those who had yelled crucify him, as he's looking at the Roman soldiers who had plucked the hairs from his beard, as he's looking at the Roman soldiers who are gambling for his clothes there at the foot of the cross, as he is seeing that, what he is saying to them is not only am I willing not to give you what you deserve, but I am willing to give you so much more than you could have ever dreamed of. I am willing to pay the debt that you owed. I'm willing to give you the righteousness that I and myself possess. You couldn't earn God's favor, but I'm willing to give you my righteousness so that you could have a relationship with him. In this moment, Jesus looking at the crowd is saying to them, I've got a deal for you that will blow your mind. You don't get what you deserve and you gain far more than you could have ever dreamed of. And Jesus says here, 
Father, forgive them. And in those words, He is looking at the crowd and He is looking at us and saying, I'm willing to offer mercy and I'm willing to offer extravagant grace that you would have never imagined could come your way. As Jesus is hanging there on the cross, He says to the crowd, Father, forgive them. So as we look at that in our lives, let's ask the same question for ourselves. Are we willing to forgive in an extravagant way as Jesus forgave us? Are we willing to extend grace to those who don't really deserve it in the same way that Jesus extended to grace to us when we didn't deserve it? Maybe you're here this morning and this entire conversation has piqued something in your mind and you're sitting there wondering, how do I get that? How do I get that exchange? How do I get to go from being deserving of God's wrath to being a child of God? How do I go from deserving to be punished for my sins, to be forgiven of my sins, and to be given Christ's righteousness? How I want that exchange. It's the greatest exchange that has ever been wrought in the world. And the amazing thing is, simply trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. That's how you receive that exchange. That's how you go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. That's how you go to being an object of His wrath to being a recipient of His extravagant grace, trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation. If you've never taken that step, today's the day for you to take that step. For you to make that exchange. Church, let me ask you this question. If you're a follower of Jesus, who are you unwilling to forgive? Who in your life are you holding on right now? Forgiveness. And the truth is, they probably don't deserve it, but neither did you. And the truth is, they probably deserve something else, and so did you. And the truth is, they didn't deserve extravagant grace, and neither did you. But Jesus models for us what it means to forgive those who don't deserve it. I want you to notice lastly this third truth. Forgiveness is an act of divine purpose. Why did Jesus do this? What was the purpose? Why did he offer forgiveness to them? That is the entire reason he came. When Jesus stepped foot out of heaven, he came for one reason, and that is to lay his life down so that he could offer forgiveness to all who would receive it. That's why Jesus came, 
It's the reason that he came to this earth. It's the reason that he laid his life down for us. It's the reason that he rose from the grave to offer forgiveness to us. That's why Jesus came. It was the divine purpose set forth before the foundation of the world. Jesus didn't come and haphazardly end up on the cross. Jesus came knowing that the cross was his destination. It's the purpose for which he came for you and for me. But not only did he come for that purpose, he has saved us as well for a purpose. This divine act of mercy and grace has a purpose behind it. It's for you and for me who have experienced unparalleled mercy, who have experienced extravagant grace to live our lives in this world, broadcasting that. We should be the biggest megaphones in this world. Those of us who have experienced unparalleled mercy and extravagant grace because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The reason he saved us was so that he could use us as his conduit to share the love and the hope that is available for any single person in this world who would trust Jesus as their savior. Church, that's why we're here. The programs are good. The Sunday morning services are good. All of that's good, but there's one purpose that we gather. And that is so that we can scatter out as believers in this community and share what Christ has done in our lives. So Jesus here on the cross offers forgiveness to those who were there, offers forgiveness to us who would receive it for a purpose and that is for us to share with everyone that we encounter that they too can be forgiven of their sins and made right with God. As you think about Jesus' last words on the cross, this first phrase, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For us, we've experienced that. Here's the good news. There are millions of people in this world who need to experience that. And you and I, who have received it, should be the first people willing to share it with those who need to hear it. I want to ask you this morning to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Worship team will make their way back up and we'll close out our time together with an opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning. truth is you may be here and as we talk about forgiveness as we talk about Jesus's death on the cross you have never taken the step of placing your faith and trust in him you've never had your sins forgiven you've never experienced 
the mercy that he's talking about here. You've never experienced the grace that has been offered to you. And this morning, you have an opportunity to receive that. To be forgiven of your sin. To be made right and brought in relationship with your heavenly Father through Jesus' death and his resurrection. So if you're here this morning and you know that that's the step that you need to take, I want to encourage you where you sit right now that you can simply utter a prayer from your heart to the Lord. A prayer that would go something like this. Jesus, thank you for laying your life down on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the debt of my sin. Thank you for being willing to forgive me. And I trust in you as my Savior. And I know that I'm brought in right relationship with my Heavenly Father through you. If that's a prayer that you prayed this morning, in just a few moments, I want to encourage you as we sing to step out from where you are to make your way down. I'd love to pray with you and encourage you in taking that step this morning, trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already taken that step. And yet, right now, you are holding on. Not willing to forgive someone else. And in your mind, your thoughts are, they don't deserve it. It's too much. And yet, this morning, you've been reminded of the truth. That the same thing was true about you. But Jesus willingly forgave you. And this is an opportunity this morning for you to take that step of forgiving someone else. Maybe during this time as we sing, you want to make your way down to the front. Fall on your knees before the Lord and thank Him for His willingness to forgive you and ask Him to help you as you forgive someone else. Maybe for you at this conclusion of the service, you need to pick up your phone and you need to make a phone call today. You need to extend forgiveness to someone that You've been unwilling to forgive. Maybe they don't even know it, but it is absolutely eating you up inside. Allow this time 
to remind you of what you've been forgiven of. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for unparalleled mercy. Thank you for extravagant grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Father, would you work in our lives? Would you help us see you for who you are? Would you help us celebrate the kind of God that you are who is willing to forgive anyone? May we as your people be the same way. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? and As we sing, I'll be down front. If you've taken that step of trusting Jesus as your Savior this morning, would you come share that with me? If you need to pray, I want to encourage you to come down.